Hi, I am Olivier Guéret. And yes, I think 5G will have a positive effect for people, for businesses, and for the planet. This is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. Before we get into the 5G discussion, we like to take a moment to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Olivier, are you ready for those? I'm ready. All right. Question number one, what is your motto? Well, I would say my motto is um, today is the first day of the rest of my life. I really like this sentence. And question number two. Where would you most like to live? Definitely by the sea. This is where I grew up and probably where uh, I will retire. And question number three, who are your heroes in real life? I think nurses at hospitals. They are doing a fantastic job, and this is especially true uh, with this pandemic. Well, to start out today, uh, Olivier, this interview is an extension of a conversation you had with my colleague, Catherine, for a report that we're working on looking at strategies for operators to monetize their 5G network investments. And for our audience, that report's available to download on the RCR website. But maybe can you help our audience understand your role and responsibilities at Nokia and tell us how that relates to operators' efforts to monetize 5G? Sure. Um, I'm part of the partners and ecosystems marketing team at Nokia, and our role is to drive and, and coordinate co-marketing activities with all types of partners we are working with. And that includes technology partners, obviously, but also business consulting companies, industrial partners, channel partners, industry alliances, standardization bodies, etc. And our objective is to create joint value propositions, joint go-to-market with those partners, but also to explore market potential and identify new opportunities for uh, our customers. Now, if you put that in the context of 5G, we all know that if operators want to monetize 5G beyond the pure connectivity services, if they want to deliver new added value services, they will have to increasingly collaborate with multiple players. So this is how it connects. We really see partnerships and ecosystems as catalysts to 5G monetization. And I want to talk more about the importance of partnerships, ecosystems, and, and how all of that maps to really delivering 5G business outcomes. But first, I wanted to get your thoughts on a more high level uh, around how operators need to adapt in this new sort of network and, and sales paradigm. So when we consider the life cycle of 5G, we're still relatively early days and the kind of next big thing is digitization of enterprise where we think 5G is going to make a dramatic difference and really open up some new service revenue opportunities for operators and their technology partners. So, you know, the opportunity is clear, but the, the challenge for a sales organization within an operator is really making that switch from selling a business connectivity to selling them a business outcome. And this requires, uh, you know, a lot of changes to people, process, product, all that sort of thing. But how do you see operators adapting to this paradigm where they need to shift from transactional sales to really consultative enterprise sales? Well, I would say uh, 
first, the enterprise opportunity is already a, a reality today for operators with private wireless networks. And just let me share a few numbers here. Uh, to date, uh, at Nokia, we have deployed private wireless networks for uh, 380 enterprises, and, and more than 25% of that is done in collaboration with operators. And this share is growing. Um, so that, that's true that the majority of those networks are running on 4G today, but 5G already accounts for 20% of those private wireless networks. And this business will continue to grow uh, with 5G network slicing in really 16. And there is a clear a big opportunity there. Um, we, we saw um, recently a, a study from uh, the Bell Labs consulting team that estimates that by 2030, businesses will actually be spending 4.5 trillion US dollars per year on 5G enabled technologies. It's really a big pie and, and communication service providers could take a, a, a big share of that. But as I said, uh, the biggest opportunities and the biggest, the biggest returns will come from tailored solutions as enterprises that do not really care about technology. They are really looking for solutions to solve their specific business needs. That means operators will have to move up the value chain and engage at business level with their enterprise customers. And obviously, they can't do that alone if they want to address a variety of sectors with their own requirements, their own specificities, their own regulations. So th this means they will have to go um, uh, to get out of their comfort zone and partner with the re relevant players uh, who have the specific expertise and the right solutions. But the good news is, and to answer your, your questions here, um, there are several intermediate steps that operators can take to monetize 5G with their enterprise customers beyond the actual delivery of, of the technology to uh, smoothly evolve and move to this ecosystem play. First, uh, they can support enterprises with consultancy services um, on the technology itself or on the telecom regulations. They can also help with network design and deployment services, for example. Then they can also create recurring revenues by operating those networks on behalf of uh, the enterprise. Here again, operators are monetizing their telco expertise. And the, 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 good, the good thing is they can scale up this activity and run multiple networks simultaneously. It is also a way for them to get to know the business processes and start to build maybe not an expertise, but at least some kind of knowledge of a given vertical segment and understand the ecosystem that gravitates around it. And from there, they can start to establish partnerships and build solutions that they can replicate and sell to other customers with similar needs, can be in the same segment or in adjacent segments before moving to a full ecosystem approach. In particular, this is a great way to address the hundreds or even thousands of small and medium enterprise uh, to simplify their transformation to industry 4.0. Just uh, one data point uh, on that. Uh, we did a, a study uh, last year showing that 61% of businesses said they would like to look to a mobile operator for advice and guidance when planning 5G deployments. And of course, uh, over the long term, the, the opportunity will grow uh, with the introduction of network slicing and network as a service uh, on, on public 5G networks. So you, you gave us uh, some insight there into why ecosystem development and partnerships are important 
for operators to deliver these solutions that are tailored to the needs of a, a specific vertical. But I was hoping you could put maybe a, a finer point on that and tell us a little bit more about as you go through this process of enterprise expresses its needs and then operator and partners like hyperscalers, system integrators, obviously infrastructure vendors like Nokia get involved and really kind of frame out what that solution looks like and then examine the economics of it and deliver it in a way that's beneficial to all parties. Just what does that look like in practice? Yeah, absolutely. I think we we talked about the importance of partnerships, but really the, the question here is um, about the engagement model and, and the government's models. Um, operators have been working in, you know, kind of one-to-one relationships with, with their partners for, for many years. But if you look at the word ecosystem, uh, it means that we are moving from this uh, one-to-one into a one-to-many or many-to-many type of, of engagement. And this is the difference I'm making between solution partners and ecosystem partners. In an ecosystem, this collaboration is opportunistic um, and the different contributors are working upstream on, on specific challenges. They are really bringing their own expertise. They are co-innovating in a kind of open innovation model, and hopefully solutions can emerge from this collaboration. I think another important aspect is if you think about ecosystems in their original sense, I mean, biological ecosystems, they are made of entities interacting with each other, but they are also characterized by a stable environment. And in our case, it's all about platforms. Ecosystems, they need digital or even physical platforms where they can regroup to co-ideate, co-create, co-sell. Concretely, what that means is, um, you know, you have platforms that we call sandboxes where solutions can be prototyped, they can be uh, developed, uh, co-developed, co-tested in this private environment. And we also have the digital marketplaces where uh, they can be sold. And uh, a, a marketplace can be accessed by different kinds of, of businesses. Uh, just to give you um, an example with, um, with Nokia, uh, for example, we are running this open ecosystem network, which is an open innovation platform that federates several sandboxes and marketplaces. And uh, just to give a, a few numbers here, we currently have more than 40,000 registered users from 400 partners. We have 240 communities and more than 500 projects. Ecosystems uh, will also pose the question of the governments. Some uh, ecosystems will be directed by one leading company. And this is the model that is used by Salesforce with their app exchange. And some will not like the, the Nokia open ecosystem network I mentioned earlier. And when they are not directed, it might be orchestrated by someone else than uh, the operator itself. Typically, hyperscalers, thanks to their global presence, their ability to attract developers and the role they play, will lead some of the big 5G ecosystems. So moving to that uh, model requires some let go from the operator. Uh, they will have to, have to accept not playing the leading role, but this is really, I believe, the, the success to 5G. 
So you you mentioned hyperscalers as part of this shift in engagement and governance models that we're seeing play out. Uh, hyperscalers obviously playing an increasingly prominent role in telecom discussions around connecting 5G networks to distributed compute and storage resources at the enterprise edge or even at the, the network edge, the telecom edge. So I'm just curious to get an understanding from you based on the partnerships that Nokia is engaged in, uh, Google Cloud, for instance, but what's the dynamic uh, around partnering and then product integration with, with hyperscalers? Yeah, as I said, hyperscalers are definitely playing a, a very important role in, in 5G ecosystems when it comes to deploying virtualized network functions and applications at the edge. And our, our customers are already working with them. So. For us, um, it is really a matter of compatibility. Our direction is to allow our applications and cloud-native network functions to be deployed on any cloud infrastructure used by our customers, be it on-prem, on public cloud, or both. And um, so as you, as you mentioned, in the past few months, we have announced strategic alliances with uh, the big names, such as uh, AWS, VMware, Microsoft Azure, and, and Google Cloud, and we will continue to work with them. Moving away from the idea of monetizing 5G as an enterprise service, I wanted to talk briefly about the consumer opportunity. Uh, we're seeing a lot of action right now, uh, particularly in U.S. market around fixed wireless access and uh, what you would typically think of as a mobile network operator competing more directly with a, a cable company or another type of ISP. And then we've got this uh, you know, whole wave of new devices, AR, VR type headsets, even 5G compatible PCs that are maturing and, and hitting the market. But big picture, you know, what do operators need to do to monetize 5G as a consumer facing service and get these new devices out there and potentially steer their subscribers into more premium data plans that uh, align with the, the full capabilities that the network can deliver? Yeah, you're right. 5G has created a, a lot of excitement and um, uh, we start to see some of those personalized AR, VR services, gaming services, augmented stadium, etc. Uh, for, for consumers. Um, so we see that, but um, it, it's interesting because um, if you look at the strategies globally uh, used by operators operating 5G today, the, the reality is more nuanced. Um, there are almost 200 operators worldwide who have launched 5G commercially today. And if you look at how they sell 5G to consumers, we see that they are typically blending different approaches. The main approach used by almost 80% of uh, communication service providers is to sell 5G as an option built upon 4G. They are just positioning 5G as another G with more capacity. Um, well, this is definitely an easy way to onboard new customers, but then it might be difficult to upsell new services later on. Um, and actually, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of consumers, they do not really care about megabytes or milliseconds of latency. What they, they want is um, a great customer experience. They are looking for digital lifestyle, um, and they are even ready to pay more for that. And we we did a, a research in 2020 with 3,000 consumers, and we found out that more than 50% of those consumers were ready to pay 10% more on their 5G bill for new services. And the interesting thing is, 
less than 20% of the CSPs are actually offering personalized service bundles developed with partners. So you, you mentioned some, some examples in, in, in the US. Um, we also have um, examples from uh, South Korea, for example, with LGU Plus, um, who have developed a, a wide offering of digital lifestyle services, such as online gaming, mobile video streaming, personalized shopping, etc. And And the interesting thing is, um, LGU Plus, they do not consider themselves as a network provider anymore, but more as a network-based enabler. So uh, at the end of the day, this is really about value creation and understanding what customers want and how to improve their customer experience. And to do that, I think operators need to, to put the customer experience at the center of their processes. They, they really need to collect as much insights uh, on their customer behaviors. And they really need to process this data and let the data drive their decisions. And, and then the, the last part is they really need to react quickly to customer needs with very targeted services. So it sounds like there's a lot of opportunities out there for operators to monetize their investments in 5G, but some kind of fundamental organizational and operational challenges that they need to, to work out to, to best do that. But maybe we can return to the core premise of the show here. At the top, you told us that, yes, 5G will change the world. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you contextualize your response. I don't think we're, we're talking about a defined point in time after which it'll be evident, yes, 5G has changed the world, but more of kind of a accumulation of, of value created that's uh, enabled by 5G networks. So maybe you can tell us about what kind of indicators that you look to to support your, your point of view. Well, first, if you look at the you know, the broader picture, uh, we can definitely acknowledge that there's a lot of value in digital services. And we've seen that through the, the pandemic, how those digital services have, have kept the world running uh, with uh, things like uh, e-commerce, remote education, uh, homeworking, telemedicine, etc. Um, but the, the pandemic has also increased uh, the gap between industries that already did their digital transformation, such as online retail, media, banking, and on, on the other hand, the physical industries, which still need to transform, such as manufacturing, healthcare, transportation, logistics, etc. And actually, Bell Labs Consulting recently published um, a white paper called The Big Inversion. And in, in that white paper, they look at the investments in ICT, in information and communication technologies, both from the digital and the physical industries. And what they found is that today, 70% of ICT investments are made by digital companies, and only 30% are made by physical industries. But if you look at how those companies contribute to the global uh, GDP, the gross domestic product, then you see that it's exactly the other way around. 70% is coming from physical companies and 30% coming from the digital companies. So what, what this means is there is a lot of potential for ICT investments for the digital transformation of physical companies. Um, and again, in that study, Bellabs estimates this potential to 6 trillion US dollars by 2030. And 75% of that is related to 5G. And actually, that, that's the 4.5 trillion I, I mentioned earlier in the conversation. So 
it's a big opportunity for, for CSP, but it, it also means that the 70-30 ratio in ICT investments will change at some point in time and become something like 35-65. This is what Bellabs calls the, uh, the, the big inversion. And we believe that this upcoming and massive digital transformation supported by 5G will not only improve enterprises' safety, productivity, and efficiency, what we call the SPE, but as a domino effect, it will also increase wages, it will increase profits, and it will also increase government revenues through taxes. And Bellabs estimates that ultimately it will result in a global GDP growth of 8 trillion US dollars by 2030. So to answer your, your question, ICT investments from physical industries and how this contributes positively to, glo to global GDP are typically good markers of the effect of 5G uh, will have on the economy. But I think beyond the economic value it will create, 5G will also bring societal and environmental benefits. Uh, for example, from a societal perspective, uh, 5G can help bridge the digital divide and enable access to education, better health systems, etc. In, in, in certain geographies. And from an environmental standpoint, 5G also has an effect on decarbonizing industries as industries will become smarter and they will reduce their energy consumption and, and the carbon emissions. Um, so uh, on that subject, we, we actually did um, recently a study with the GSMA AI, the GSMA intelligence that we call the industry pathways to net zero. And this study shows that while mobile networks alone account for 0.4% of all carbon emissions globally, the level of avoided emissions enabled today is 10 times higher. So um, I think I would like to, to conclude with a, a quote from uh, our CEO, Pekka Lundmark, who says, there is no green without digital. Well, Olivier, I appreciate you laying out that beyond just monetization and, and GDP growth opportunities, there are these more fundamental implications around equity, accessibility, and, and sustainability. So thank you for sharing your perspective with me, with our audience, telling us about the work Nokia is doing with its uh, customers and partners and answering that question, will 5G change the world? Will 5G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kenny. Thanks for listening.